gracious Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you are a good Father who continually watches over our lives. And Father, that uh, we know through your word, we know through the inspired writings of, of, of Paul, of James, of John, of the Old Testament writers. Father, we know that everything that happens to us in some way, Father, is used to make us better, to restore us to your image. That everything that happens, Father, even those things we interpret as, as tragic, even those things we interpret as loss, you turn to gain. We become stronger through the experience. We become people who can relate to other people who are going through the same things. In some way, Father, all of these things fit together in your plan. And we thank you, Lord, that uh, on this day we can celebrate the light of Christ in our lives and pray that we can eliminate by uh, the sanctifying power of your Holy Spirit and by your Holy Spirit's leading those things that sometimes dim that light in our lives that cause us, Father, to just blend into uh, a, a world that is very often dark. We thank you, Lord, that this day we can gather around the table of our Lord Jesus Christ as we come, Father, to remember, to celebrate, and also, Father, to know that he is present with us. In his precious name we pray and we sing together to your praise. And amen. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. And our scripture today is Philippians, the second chapter, verses 12 through 16. Therefore, my beloved, just have you have always obeyed me, not only in my present, but much more now in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and arguing, so that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world. It is by your holding fast to the word of life that I can boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in vain, nor labor in vain. The word of God for all of the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Sally, and thank you for that. My brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you. That was great. We need to remember that sometimes, folks. Um, Brothers and sisters, because God has given us that privilege. Uh, That is not something that most people think that God would allow us a title to take on. Not only brothers and sisters to each other, but brothers and sisters to Jesus Christ. Adopted children of God. Adopted through that cross of Jesus Christ. Um, we're talking about that, that particular phrase uh, about stars being shining as stars in the universe. Uh, but I wanted to, to just share a little story with you um, uh, before we go in and delve into the scripture about an artist and, uh, who sought to depict on canvas the meaning of evangelism and salvation. And he began by, he painted a storm at sea and he had you know, black clouds and uh, uh, the uh, seas that were pitching back and forth and uh, the sky was filled with uh, lightning coming down from the heavens. And in the raging sea, he had painted a boat 
that seemed to be destroyed by the pounding sea as it was just being shattered apart. He also painted men, some struggling in the swirling waters and some clinging desperately on the sides of the sinking boat, all with looks of terror on their faces. The only hope appeared in the foreground of the painting where there was a huge rock protruding out of the water. And there, clutching desperately to the rock with both, both hands, was one lone sailor. It was very beautiful and a moving picture. And from looking at it, one could see that the tempest was a symbol of the hopeless situation of mankind. And true to the gospel, that only hope of salvation was that rock, the rock of ages. The only hope amidst the storm. But as the artist looked at the painting after finishing it, he realized that something was wrong. In order to correct his error, he discarded the painting. He went to work on another. It was very similar to the first. It had the black clouds and the flashing lightning and the angry waters and the little boat being crushed by the pounding waves. The crew struggling vainly against the waters. And in the foreground, the sailors were still clutching the large rock the sailor, that single sailor, was still clutching the large rock for salvation. But the artist had made one change. The sailor was only holding to the rock with one hand. And the other hand he had extended out to a sailor who was desperately trying to be saved. So what does that have to do with with shining stars? It's the fact that God has given us that place in life where we are to be about saving souls. John Wesley said, he said said to his preachers, he said, the only job you have in this life is to save souls, period. Put the other things aside, save souls. And if we're going to fulfill that commission that Jesus Christ has given us to go into all the world and to save souls, it only happens if the world can identify who those people are who are following Jesus Christ. If we blend into the crowd, like I think a lot of us want to do at times. Uh, I, I noticed I was down at the Board of Ordained Ministry for four days this week, and you know we walk around this retreat center and all, and to my great horror, I realized... I was wearing this blue jacket and khaki pants. Now, some of you men may know this. I was unaware. Apparently, that's not in anymore. Because every single pastor down there, there were like 50, and you know we had women, but let's say there were 30 men there. None of them were wearing khaki pants with their blue blazers. I was shocked. Because for years, this has been the way that we dressed. And I just wanted to blend in. So I made a commitment. I'm going back down there at the end of February. I'm buying me lots of dark pants to wear. (laughs) Khakis going out the door. If you want khakis, I got them. You know, we just want to blend in, right? Churches want to be respectable. And, and, uh, you know, we we, we want our our pastors to live in nice houses and blend into the neighborhood. And, And when people don't quite fit in or blend in, which is something we struggle with at the Board of Ordained Ministry, because sometimes we have people that don't blend in well, and we got to watch that thing where we're thinking, hmm, I'm not sure this person can be a good pastor because they're kind of, they're a little bit offbeat, a little different. You see, we all fall into that trap. But we've got to be concerned about the people who need saving, and we need to do it any way we can, and we need to stop just clutching for our own salvation onto that rock, and we need to start extending hands out to people. Many times, people who, when we're reaching out to them, we realize, this is not somebody 
I relate to it all. This is not somebody I necessarily would even like. This is my enemy from next door who we've had property disputes for years with. But Jesus said a lot of things that are so contrary to what the world says and what the culture says and all those ways we want to fit in. But Jesus says, love your enemies. Who in the world would tell you to love your enemies? Does the popular culture today tell us to love our enemies? You know, is that, is that what we vote for in November? For somebody who's, who's telling us to love our enemies? No, we want somebody who's going to fight our enemies, destroy our enemies, defend us against our enemies. You know, Jesus said, don't worry about stuff. But the constant drumbeat in this uh, age is bye, bye, bye. Amazon sits there tempting us continually. It's so easy. Same day delivery. I love it. I can, I can order something by mistake and it appears, it comes. So I don't even have to be careful when I'm ordering. Sometimes a little careless, something comes. Happened the other day. I had to return something to Amazon. I just take it down. I didn't tape up the box. I didn't do anything. I just gave them a little sheet of paper I printed out in the box and said, here you go. And they take care of it and Amazon gets it back and my, my money's back. They make it so easy. And we get trapped into this world where we begin to think and act and live like it because it's just automatic. And we got to stop and say, what is it that makes us different? What is it that will make us shine like stars in the universe? That the light of Christ will so shine through us that people will take note and say, there's something different there. There's something good and special in that person. And then you can share with them Jesus. So... uh, In the scripture today, in in, uh, Philippians 2, Paul says to the Philippians, uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. This is back in the beginning of 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 the chapter. Don't do anything out of selfish or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Where does that message come in our society? I'm telling you, the influence of the church, the influence of the message that we have, the influence of Scripture, the influence of the message of Jesus Christ is unique. Because other than some oddballs out there, I don't hear a lot of people saying, we need to care more about the other person than ourselves. Everything is about how I can get out of debt, how I can live a better life, how I can live longer. It all appeals to the, to the me But there are people out there, folks, who need a helping hand. They need someone to reach that hand down to save them. And we're not told by this culture to care about them. Instead, we blame the national debt on them. It's all their fault. Not my fault. But give me that tax cut. You see... We all want the tax cut, but at the same time, we want the, everything to be balanced. We can't figure it out because everything is appealing to this vanity and this selfishness. So he says, don't do these things out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but I want you to be like Jesus Christ. I want you to have in your relationships with one another the same mind that was in Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Now, I know we all told our children as they were growing up, my dream for you is that you would be a house cleaner, that you would clean rooms in the hotels. My, my, my dream for you is that you would be just a servant to people. That you wouldn't have any 
dreams of grandeur. But you would, you would love life and enjoy the life that God has given you. And you would seek ways to serve people. We didn't tell our children that. We were so fixated on success, on degrees, on climbing in society. Now, I'm not saying you can't achieve those things and at the same time be a servant. But the servant part gets left out. To do something not out of selfish and vain conceit, but to do it because you want to serve. I love people with the servant's heart. I love people uh, who volunteer. Rhonda this week volunteered to change the banners up there. Oh, she changed them between services because she didn't do it this week. But, uh, you know, little things, little things that get no... No, no uh, uh, adoration, no glory, no, no, no notice. People serving in the food pantry over there. People over at the community center who are not doing it to get accolades. This is the, what's supposed to be in us. This is how we become shining stars by emptying ourselves of all of that vanity and allowing it to be filled, our souls to be filled with the light of Jesus Christ. And so he goes on down later and he says, I want you to do everything without grumbling or murmuring is the word there or arguing. Do you know the words that are used in this passage? He says, I want you to do all these things. I want you to do this without murmuring and grumbling and arguing with each other. They're the same set of words that are used back in the Old Testament for the children of Israel when they're wandering in the wilderness. Remember the murmuring that went on there? They were murmuring against Moses. Most of all, they were murmuring against God. What kind of God would take us out of Egypt into this wilderness? And we're just wandering around, and we don't know what's coming. We don't know if the Egyptian, Egyptian army is going to pursue us any further we, you know, and destroy us. I mean, he had just saved them out of Egypt, had done all these things, and they're constantly grumbling about God, not taking care of them enough. He gave them all the food they wanted, manna from heaven. Their clothes didn't wear out. They, you know, I mean, things God was taking care of them, but they still found something to grumble about. Now, I figure there must have been something going on in the Philippian church that Paul would talk about this. There must have been some of that going on, but we don't have to go back to, the, to them to see grumbling in people in the church. People grumble all the time. And uh, mainly they grumble about the pastor, and it's usually well-deserved, you know. But I always tell somebody, if you're going to grumble, at least come and grumble to my face, you know. So just go ahead and tell me, and then I, and then I can make a decision not to listen to you. But, uh, you know, this, uh, this is a key, apparently, to shining forth is to stop the grumbling and the, and the arguing and to not do anything in vain. And, he says, holding firmly to the word of life. Now, that's, that's the trump card there. That's, that's the card that wins it all. Holding firmly to the word of life. Because that's where we, we learn about Jesus. That's where we learn about the light that comes from Jesus Christ. That light, that word is light in our lives. It guides our path. It doesn't fade like flowers. It doesn't wither uh, like grass. It doesn't, it's forever. It's the only thing in the universe that is forever. And Jesus Christ is the living word of life. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word came and dwelt among us, but we didn't recognize it. If we're going to be those stars shining in the universe in that night sky to, to light the way for people, we have got to know Jesus. 
And we've got to stop grumbling against God. I'm going to give you one illustration, then I'm going to move on to the end because it's Communion Sunday. And I've got to be a little briefer. But uh, I've been reading this week news reports coming out of China. You know, I've had a couple of Chinese nationals in my life who, who I baptized. We had a Chinese exchange student for a year, Mark, some of you remember. The Chinese government is on a full-fledged attack against religion of any type. Muslims have been, been basically, uh, uh, they're being re-educated. And the same thing is happening to Christians there. Uh, they've declared they've got a new set of regulations coming out, among which you won't be able to have a Christian funeral. Every funeral will be scientific, they said. No prayers allowed. And there was actually a woman arrested this past week in China for praying at her father's funeral. They're re-educating the people, especially the children. They're going to wipe this out in a generation. That's what they want to do. But we know how history goes, don't we? That when people try to wipe the faith out, it only grows stronger. Those people there who retain their faith, who keep their faith, who hold to the word of life, they are the shining stars for us. To remember that when we're here grumbling and complaining about, well, the preacher preached too long this morning, or the preacher, I don't like, you know, he parts his hair on the wrong side, whatever it may be, or he always looks at the people over here and he never looks over at me, you know, whatever it may be, remember, folks, that grumbling takes us in the opposite direction we need to go. We need to put it away. I need to stop grumbling about Joy Tinsley. She is doing the best she can. But I can't. That's Yeah, right. Yes. Or I'm not dressing correctly. Thank you, yeah. We need to get away from that. Now, here's what I'm going to close with. I, I don't know. It seems a little bit dorky or I know to some people, but when I was 10 years old, the musical uh, Man of La Mancha came out based on the book Don Quixote, you know, which has been around for, for uh, 400 years or more, more than 400 years. And I mentioned that this morning and I saw some people look puzzled and somebody said to me afterwards during Sunday school, did you realize that apparently you and me are the only people who know Don Quixote, that book? I said, it's kind of weird because, you know, I think it's like the number one best-selling book of all time other than the Bible. And so during Sunday school, I said, i got to check that because i got to be wrong because everybody just gave these blank stares like they didn't know what I was talking about. And here it is, number one. Can you verify that? 500 million copies have been sold. That's number one of the top. They have the top 21 that's number one. So I'm just saying... It's sad when a preacher has to produce evidence and witnesses to have people believe him, but it's true. Anyways, the story of Don Quixote is very famous, and it became a musical, Man of La Mancha, sold a lot of records, and when I was 10, my parents bought the album, and I sat there listening to that album over and over and over, along with West Side Story, and I I love the big songs out of musicals, Uh, you know, Carousel, just, I, I love those songs. You know, and then I'd listen to my Cat Stevens or whatever. But I love those songs. And so in The Man of La Mancha, the words, I was thinking about this week because I was thinking about that unreachable star that's talked about in the song, The Impossible Dream. I said, yeah, I got to see, you know, go back and look at those words and how they might relate to these stars that we're supposed to be. And of course, this is being written by a man. But then I began to see, oh, this guy 
has a lot in common with Jesus. He sings, and the world will be better for this, that one man scorned and covered with scars. Ain't that Jesus? Scorned and covered with scars. Still still strove with his last ounce of courage. Remember Jesus carrying that cross on his shoulders, breaking down every last bit of energy, whatever was left in him. He's going to that cross to fight the unbeatable foe and to reach the unreachable star. And I thought, but here's the difference. For Jesus Christ, the foe wasn't unbeatable. For every human being who has ever lived, the unbeatable foe is sin, is Satan, darkness. And we can't, we can't reach that star. We can't beat that unbeatable foe. We can't get there on our own. But Jesus Christ did. And I, I went on and I, I was then thinking, okay, what about this, this last part here? Where Quixote, you know, in, in the musical sings, this is my quest to follow that star. What, what is our quest? To follow that star, the shining star of Jesus Christ. No matter how hopeless, no matter how far, the people in China right now, it's hopeless, right? They can't make it. But they can. And they're committed to it. And in the end... They will fight for the right without question or pause. And they will be willing to march into hell for a heavenly cause. You know, those words kind of came alive to me. I know there's a lot of people saying, well, you must be just a tremendous optimist. Uh, You're not dealing with reality and everything too. But I'm telling you what, I'm glad that I have faith in a Savior who takes me out of this darkness and says, you can be a shining star. You can be a light to others in your life and in this world. But Bob, you got to stop complaining about Joy Tinsley. You know? You know? But just live in me and let my light shine through you. We don't have to generate the light. We don't have to in any way ignite the light. Jesus Christ does that for us. That's the beauty of it. This morning we're, we're, we're sharing at the communion table. This is the table of Jesus Christ. From it comes His light. And the light is the fact that God was willing to do something that God didn't have to do. That Jesus Christ was willing to do something He didn't have to do. That He came into this world and He died on that cross for us, for you and me. He knew each one of us. The, I mean, the miracles are so... So numerous here in this story, it's hard to begin to know where to begin with it. But the story begins at this table with the simple loaf of bread and a cup of juice that remind us that he died for us. Now, as Methodists, we don't just believe that this is about remembering Jesus. We think there's something far more here. We believe that God's spirit dwells in us, right? And we believe that when we come to this table, something, something happens, There's an encounter of our spirit with these elements, with Jesus Christ, that brings us light that we can't get any other way. The same light we got in our baptism. And so when we come to this table, we also invite others. We don't come up here and we cling to this like the rock in that story and say, okay, this is for me. This is for Jesus to save me. And I really don't care about anyone else. But instead, we... We open everything up and we say to folks, listen, if you're here today and you want repentance and you want God's forgiveness and you want to know God 
come on to this table. This is where we meet Jesus Christ. This is where we see right before our eyes exactly what He did for us. It's where we can come and humble ourselves and have the assurance that God indeed has forgiven us. Just to read just a little bit of a passage out of Philippians in the first chapter. Paul is talking about, he's in prison when he's writing this. And we're not talking about, you know, some country club prison. We're talking about harsh conditions. And he says this, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard, all my all my uh, guards, to everyone else, that I am in chains for Christ. They know the reason why I am in chains. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. And later on, and this is how uh, what will be our benediction for the day. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go forth. And be his shining stars in the universe. Amen.